time management really does. It is about the hero's kind of efforts. And it's very self-reliant. You know, it's like you learn these strategies, you implement them, and you'll get things done. And then I turn to my Bible, to Psalm 90, for example, and the last verse of that psalm says, Lord, you know, look upon me with favor. I'm paraphrasing here. Establish the work of my hands. Establish the work of my hands. That's not the prayer of a time manager. That's the prayer to, of someone who recognizes that God is the giver of time, the manager of time, and that any effort that I actually, you know, take up in the world, God actually has to bless it, has to favor it for, in order for it to be established, to use the vocabulary from, from Psalm 90. And then, of course, so whenever we talk about time management, we make a beeline for Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul talks about, you know, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil, making the most mm-hmm. of your time. So there's, you know, wisdom is tied into how we manage our time. I think it's pretty obvious but there's much more to it. I'm glad you decided to take a different camera angle on this, one that is not traditional, but is very biblical. Yes. Yeah, I love that you're bringing up wisdom because it's a real, um, it's a really important theme in my book. Um, Just going back to wisdom literature, interestingly enough, it kind of came out of reading and studying Proverbs 31. I was teaching on that for the women at my church and I think so often I grew up thinking like this Proverbs 31 woman, she is a, the best time manager there is. Look at how much she gets done in a day. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, like there must, this, this is the wisdom, right? It's the wisdom of time management. But to re-examine that passage is to really see it entirely differently. First of all, wisdom is born out of the fear of the Lord. So it's wisdom and managing your time or living in time isn't about your strategies. First of all, it's about your relationship to God, because how can you live time wisely if you don't know what things to get done? Mm-hmm. It's not just how much you get done. And it's, I wouldn't say it's even, you know, it's certainly not primarily that. It's what are the things that God's calling you to do? How do you live in faithful response to his voice? And sometimes that means taking up a season where you're not getting anything done that people really think is great. You know, for example, just, you know, you're, maybe you're caring for little children or caring for an aging parent, or maybe you're just caring for yourself because you've got a chronic illness. And so you're not moving through the world super fast or you're not doing anything that seems monumental. And yet you could be living the season with a wisdom and faithfulness. And so those are the kinds of things that I want us to reimagine. Boy, I like that because it's taking the pressure off. And mm-hmm. But there are those of us who love to check off the boxes, you know, check, 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 our to-do lists. We love those. We get an adrenaline rush. And we feel like we've really done a lot as we check these things off. But you bring up a really good point. We can be kicking up a lot of dust and be quite busy, but not going anywhere that matters. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me early in the pandemic, is what I realized is I was so addicted to just getting things done, to checking off my list, to feeling like I could sort of prove my worth in the world by the things that I got done. And to be suddenly turned inside my house and not, you know, living in time the way that I normally did. I mean, I tried for a lot of 
months to kind of simulate the motion of like pre-pandemic life. Um, I lived in Toronto for most of the pandemic and we lived the longest lockdown in North America. So it really was a simulated motion. We weren't going back to school. We weren't going back to work. We weren't going back to church. And I think the anxiety of just needing productivity was the clue to me, like, what's going on here? Where is my worth really found? How, where is my identity grounded? Is it in the things that I get done? Or is it, well, first and foremost, the thing that God has done for me in Christ? And the rest that really exists in knowing that our identity begins is really grounded there. The whole idea of waiting on the Lord, I'm telling you, we tend to think that it's being inactive. That's not the case at all. That's being very active in pursuit of God and investing in that relationship. And, you know, be still and know that I am God. But so many of us, we feel like being still is being lazy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Well, I wrote, uh, you know, a whole chapter about weight. And this is to say that, I mean, as long as you have a productivity mindset, stillness is like death. Because if you're not, if you're still, you're definitely not getting anything done. And so waiting just feels like a curse. I mean, you wait in the grocery line because, you know, somebody in front of you has something complicated or something went wrong and you just feel furious, right? Because you have to get things done. But if you change your mindset and you embrace what is a better and I think more biblical category of fruitfulness, not productivity, but fruitfulness. Now, fruitfulness is a productive image, producing fruit. But guess what? A vine doesn't produce fruit year round. There are waiting seasons. There are wintering seasons. Those aren't inactive seasons because in a wintering season, God is deepening the roots of of the vine. 